0: Those worshiping from home, we are so thankful we can be together. This morning. Now, over recent weeks, you've heard us talking about Operation Christmas Child and this great outreach opportunity that we have to, to bless the nations and get the gospel to the nations through this ministry. You've heard Audrey talk about it. You've already heard a testimony of the phone call of a lady who received a box and how it changed her life. But Liz Lee's going to come this morning. Coming up here, Liz. And Liz has a testimony of an experience she had when she got the, the publication from the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Coming up, Liz. in um, her shoebox was on the cover of it. So if I ask Liz to tell you a little bit about it, we'll have a picture to show you on the screen as well of, of what happened.
1: A clean heart, and let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in his sight, for he is my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, Jack and I have um seven grandchildren and three great-grandchildren. and we started filling boxes uh, um, based on their agenda, uh, their uh, gender and their age. And most every box had a bear or a stuffed animal, and just something. That would um, be appropriate for any age group and we had a shirt we'd always put a t-shirt of some kind in it and those basic items were in there and then at the different times during the year I would shop for things to go in it, and made it kind of an ongoing um, project for the year one day in my quiet time I was just, um, my thoughts turned to that box, and just thinking about the kids that would be receiving them, and just the joy and the excitement they would have, and I was trying to put a personal um, touch and um, a face with it, and I thought, wouldn't it be wonderful to um, see a child or to know where that box went? Um then some months later, I got a Samaritan's Purse um, magazine, and I started to read it. And on the cover was a little girl, and there were eight little girls on the cover, and they were all holding their boxes. And I just began to look at them and all of their little, Costumes that they had that were native to their country, but something I noticed a box. There was only one box open, and I looked at the re, the wrapping and the little bear. But the one thing that caught my eye more than anything was the tennis ball in the corner. You see, at the last minute, I decided I would take something to kind of fill the box all the way up and I had tennis balls and I wrote on the tennis ball Jesus loves you and I put it in the box I thought that day seeing my granddaughter's box was an affirmation that God would honor the desire of your heart if your desire was in keeping to glorify him And that was the thing that just brought tears to my eyes because I thought I had so many times during the year I would think about each one of the little kids that might be that I was preparing that box for. So I would encourage you to go on the Samaritan's Purse website and watch and be blessed by the testimonies of people that have received the boxes and that have participated in it. And this is my prayer. It says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. And in Psalms 37, 23, it says, The steps of a man are established by the Lord. And he delights in his way. When he falls, he shall not be hurled headward, because the Lord is the one who holds his hand. I have been young, and now I am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. Thank you.
0: up one there are boxes in the back please get one on your way out this morning and if you're not able to be with us in person you're worshiping from home this morning you want a box call the church office we'll run it out to your car we'd love for you to be able to participate in that now just a few other announcements before we get to worship the lord this morning first of all we had anticipated reopening sunday bible study classes here on campus this morning and hopefully you all saw the email about that if you're not getting emails please let us know we want to be able to communicate with you but we've delayed that two weeks out of just an overabundance of caution. We were very sad to have to make that decision to delay it two weeks, but just with some sickness going around and some families, we just wanted to err on the side of caution. We made it so many months during COVID and so many have stayed healthy, we just felt it was wise to wait two more weeks before we particularly reopened our kids' Sunday school program. But two weeks from today, Lord willing, on October 18th, we'll get back to the full 9 a.m. Sunday morning offering of all of our kids' classes and our youth class, which will be studying Psalm 23. And then three great different adult classes. We'll have adult classes studying the gospel and race relations, an adult study of 1 Corinthians, and then a study of a book called The Green Letters of Walking with God. as a devotional type. So that's all on our website. Go to gatewaybaptist.com to get more information about that. Men, an opportunity for you this upcoming week, Friday and Saturday, we have a men's overnight backpacking trip. It's a Mike back here is coordinating it for us. It's, a, I believe, an eight-mile journey that we'll be doing and spending the night in the woods up at McDill Point over Mount Chee Hall. And so, men, we'd love for you to participate. If you've not signed up, it'd be helpful if you could sign up today. You could sign up through tomorrow, but please go ahead and sign up today or tomorrow if you want to join us. It's a great opportunity. We'd love to have you join us on our expedition up around chi Hall on this big adventure Friday and Friday. Saturday. The last thing we want to do this morning is introduce some new members to you. So first of all, Caitlin and Ashley and Brandon and Emily, you guys come on up, stand across the front here. So come on up. So here we go. Come on and stand up across the front. It's not a scary group, I promise. I get to look at them every week, and it's a friendly group here. So come on, stand stand across the front here. I want to introduce to you a few people who are new members. These are people who we had approved from membership back during the height of COVID and never got a chance to introduce you to them or introduce you to them. There's some others who are still worshiping from home that we had approved from members back during earlier in the COVID season. We'll introduce to you. We have more in the membership process that I can speak to in just a minute as well. But first down here, then, this is Ashley Ingerswin, and she is a graduate of Faulkner, and you don't see her in the sanctuary a whole lot because she's been working with our kids in the kids' ministry every Sunday, taking care of the kids. During COVID, she's one of the ones who said, I'm willing to be on the front lines and to be back there and love on the kids and take care of them so the parents can worship. So Ashley's been super involved in the life of our church through the college ministry and the young adult group now, and now serving with Miss Molly back in the preschool every Sunday. We also have Caitlin Beverly. Caitlin is an AUM student. Make sure I get this right. I can't always keep straight, but AUM student in speech therapy. So so AUM student in speech therapy. Super involved, not with our college ministry and all that goes on there with Seth and with Megan. And then finally, we have Brandon and Emily Jones. They're a newlywed couple who are moved to Montgomery, and in the province of God, he has brought them here. They're both working here in the community. They've gotten super involved with our youth ministry. They both have a burden for teenagers, and over the last, really, six to nine months or so, really plugged in to disciple teenagers and get involved in helping with the teaching in, in our youth ministry. And so, so excited to get to welcome you guys to Gateway. So, let's give all of them a round of applause as a welcome to Gateway. Thanks, guys. Y'all can return to your seat. Now, in Gateway Family, I want you to reach out to them, find them after the service, say hello to them, invite them over for a meal, and just get to know them and hear their stories. So, one of the things I love doing as pastor and other elders get to do as well is we get to meet with those who are prospective members to hear their testimonies. And it's so fun to hear of God's grace at work in each one of their lives. If you've been visiting Gateway and have not joined yet, we'd love to talk about membership with you and just how it's a covenant together to walk together as we serve the Lord together. We used to do these big Discover Gateway meals on Sundays after the church service during COVID. We've not been doing that, but if you're interested, we'd love to invite you to join my house, and we'd love to have you over for a meal and do what we would do in Discover Gateway in a more informal, relational way to get to know you, answer your questions about the church, and begin the membership process with you. Well, as we prepare our hearts to worship the Lord this morning, would you stand, please? I want to read to us a few verses from Psalm 18 as we prepare to sing to the Lord this morning. Psalm 18, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. Get with me. Let's sing to the Lord, our rock, our Redeemer, the one who is worthy of all praise.
2: the Then came the morning that sealed the promise you're buried by.
3: Father, we worship you this morning. God, we thank you for this declaration that we just made. God, you are our vision. You are our wisdom. You are our true word. You're our satisfaction and our glory, Lord. We just bask in your splendor and your majesty this morning, God, with all this going on in the world, and through many eyes, it seems hopeless and chaos and lack of peace and But God, you are good and faithful and just and trustworthy. God, we look to you today as we declared earlier, God, you are our living hope. There is hope in only one person on this planet. And that's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's our Savior, our Master Jesus. And we are here to worship you. We're here to honor you, to glorify you, to enjoy your presence. We thank you for being here. We thank you that we can come in with all the circumstances of life and Just be in your presence and know, God, you're good and you're going to be with us every step of the way, side by side as our comforter, our strength, our strong tower to look to you for all things. And then we could even come with situations to pray for each week and for individuals, for nations, for people groups, for fellow congregations in our city, God, to know you're going to hear our prayers and we can entrust these individuals to you, knowing you're faithful and good. And, Lord, we do this morning with many people hurting all across our city and our nation with sickness and and health problems. God, we specifically this morning want to lift up Don and Jan Hatcher, uh, who just left a week and a half ago from our fellowship. He was a deacon. They were members here for many years. They just moved to Nebraska to be with family and both have contracted COVID and pneumonia. God, we just cry out for your mercy. We know you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. And we just pray, God, that you would touch them both right now as they're in the hospital in different rooms. And I don't even know if they've seen each other in a week or so. But we just pray, God, in Jesus' name, that you would bring healing to both of those. That you would cause the fluids in their lungs to dissipate, that the oxygen levels would get up. That they would provide an opportunity for them to be together and see each other. But we pray for your strength and your healing power to touch them this morning. Lord, we ask the same thing for our president and first lady and those recently in the cabinet that have contracted COVID. We pray for their healing as well. God, we pray during this time that you would draw them close to you, that they would look to you as their source of life and healing, that you would provide these opportunities for our president and those involved to just contemplate life and and just what's going on in their own lives and in the world, Lord, to guide and direct their steps and just to speak to them, Father, just to guide and direct them by your spirit. And we do pray healing for all of them as well. For others in our congregation, same thing, Lord. We just pray that you would touch them. Many in our body um, in this city are hurting and sick, and we just pray, God, again, your healing touch to fall upon them. You know who they are. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity of those in our body who are ministering all over this city in various capacities. And, Lord, this morning, we just want to lift up our brother, Foch Smart. We thank you so much for his faithfulness and serving in the ministry to the guys of Safety Net. He has been so faithful there for many, many years. We pray your Holy Spirit would guide and direct him, give him wisdom and discernment as he uh, fellowships and disciples these men and, and hangs out with them and just loves them, showing the love of Jesus. We pray that you continue to give him strength and wisdom as he disciples these guys and shows the love of Christ as the gospel goes forth. And Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have uh, for this past couple of years where we have prayed for our extended family across this city of other brothers and sisters in Christ. And This morning, Lord, we Thank you for Pastor Doug McCurry and our family at Legacy Anglican Church, just right up the road here at Bell Road. We thank you for their faithfulness and who they minister to in this community. We pray, Lord, you'd bless them this morning as they meet, that your Holy Spirit would come and guide and direct them and move upon them, Lord. Continue to bless their fellowship as a minister in different capacities in the city. Continue to give Brother Doug wisdom and guidance as the shepherd we just thank you for them and the relationship that we've had to partner with them for many years through the Easter sunrise service and other events. We just thank you for them, Lord. And Lord, we thank you. We can pray for our brothers and sisters across the world. And Lord, this morning we lift up Helena, our sister that we've worked with many years in India and her leadership over the orphanage school and the women's ministry and her community. We pray your continued provision protection over COVID and all that she has her hands in, Lord. She is reaching so many with the gospel and and discipleship. And we pray you continue, God, to guide and direct her steps, give her physical strength, emotional strength, all that she needs to minister to the community there in India. And, Lord, again, we thank you that we can lift up these people groups um, by name and lift them up to you, God, and pray for these tribes and peoples that are very difficult to reach. And this morning, Lord, we lift up to the Humble Tibetan of Nepal, this Tibetan Buddhist community in the mountains northwest near China, And, Lord, they're heavy into agriculture and animal trade with those across the border in China. And, God, we just pray that you would bring Christians and missionaries and Christian Nepalese to reach them, that you would strategically place this people group in hearts to go north and to reach them up in the mountains as it's very difficult to get there, that you would bring the gospel, that you would convict hearts and bring a revival to that people group and have a huge impact in the people of Nepal as they spread the gospel throughout that nation. And Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your blessing us and your provision, God. We pray for the offering this morning as it's given and also those who have given online. We thank you that you are so good. We are so blessed as a people and you're so faithful. And we thank you for the opportunity to give some back for the advancement of your kingdom. And Lord, we thank you for bringing Grady and Julie and the family back from their safe trip on their vacation. We thank you for Grady as our shepherd to love us, to serve us, to protect us, to teach us, to guide and direct us. Um, just things through your word and we pray for you god this morning to fill him afresh with your spirit that you would give him strength and just an excitement to hear and bring the word this morning give us eyes to see lord and ears to hear give us this opportunity god to hear from you this morning as he brings your word to us and lord i just want to close out this time and just reminder this morning watching another service just how good it is to come together in unity and i just pray body that we would Uh, finish the time of prayer together in unity as Jesus taught us to pray. So together, let's say, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
0: Well, good morning again, Gateway family. It is great to be back with you this morning. We missed you guys last week and are thankful we can be back together. This morning. Now, we're going to pause our study of James for the next two Sundays to help us prepare for something really important in the life of the church. We've been in James for 30 weeks, but we're going to take a two week break. But don't worry, we're going right back to James after these two weeks are over. Now, first of all, for our members, you're aware of some of the challenges we face as a church family for the last about two and a half months. And if you're a regular visitor, attendee, and friends, you probably have picked up on some of that as well. We had the departure of two staff members, we've had the resignation of three of our lay elders from our elder team, and we just want to recognize it's been a hard season for us as a church, and it's been a painful season for many of us as well, and we grieve the brokenness that we have experienced over these last several months, yet we trust that God brings good out of the brokenness, and we trust that God is sovereign, and God is big, and God can redeem even the hardships of life to bring good to each one of us. And that's what we've been seeing in our study of james isn't it i think of the study of james and how timely we've been walking through these last 30 weeks has been even to help us as a church through this difficult season we've been i know for me personally i pray for you as well how much god has used what well, i've been studying in james week by week to help me keep the right perspective to help me grow in areas i need to grow in and to help us begin to heal as a church family together and i pray the same has been true for each of you I want you to know, friends, that you've been prayed for a lot during this season. We know it's been a hard several months, and I want to let you know you've been prayed for. Our staff team, which is myself and CJ and Molly and Aaron Ethan, we still meet weekly, and we pray over the church family week after week in our meetings, and we pray for you and needs you have and pray for you as you walk through these difficult months. And our elder team, which is CJ and myself and John and Seth and William, we continue to meet weekly as well, early on Wednesday mornings at 6 a.m., to navigate Gateway through these days that we're in, and to pray for you and to continue to intercede for you as well. So I want you to know you're being prayed for during this time. I also want to let you know if you've seen some of the communications from us, there's an important step we're taking in terms of moving forward as a church this fall, and that is elder elections. Now I want to remind us, friends, that we're a congregational church. We have a very unique, but I believe very biblical church government structure Yes, we're an elder-led church, but we're also congregational. You, the church family, are the ones we're accountable to. Ultimately, we're accountable to God, but we're also accountable to you, the church family. That's why you, the church family, approves the budget every year. That's why you, the church family, is the one responsible for hiring of the pastoral and the ministerial staff. And that's why you, the church family, are the ones who select the elders and the deacons of leadership of the church. We are a congregational church. And the beauty of that, friends is that means our leadership is ultimately accountable to you and to God as well, that we have an accountability to you, the church family, as we seek to serve and to lead you. Now, per our bylaws that govern how things are done at Gateway, we were already due for elder elections this fall to see if God was raising up additional men to come alongside our current elders to help shepherd the body here at Gateway. But if you've seen our remaining lay elders, which are Seth, John, and William, in an amazing act of humility and love for you, are voluntarily stepping down at the end of this year, not because they don't want to serve, but to resubmit themselves to the process, to go back through the process, so you as a church family can say, these are the men that we believe God is calling to serve as elders over, the, over Gateway Baptist Church. Again, it's an amazing act of love and humility these brothers are showing and resubmitting themselves to that process to let you, the church family, seek God to see who God is calling to be the elders here. Now friends, seeking God as to who are to be the elders at Gateway is a really, really, really important thing in the life of our church, and it warrants us pausing our study of James. You know I don't pause our verse-by-verse study of books of the Bible very often, but it warrants us pausing James for these two weeks to go a little bit deeper into the role of elders to help prepare us as a church family of how do we have, how do we select elders to help shepherd our body. Now you may be thinking before I go, on, well what about the deacons? Because if you look in the New Testament, there's two offices in the life of the church. There's elders and there's deacons, and both are equally important for a church to be healthy and function as we should. Well, our elder team in consulting with Mike Mertz, our chairman of deacons, feels it's wise to wait on deacon elections until the first of next year. We want to be able to focus on each of these offices. They're vo- both very important in the life of church. We try to do both simultaneously. If we've done in the past, we think com- we create extra confusion and not give the clarity we need. So we're going to pause on deacons. So in January, we're going to pause whatever we're preaching through in January. And we're going to do two weeks of what are the roles of deacons in the church and what are their qualifications, and then we'll do deacon elections. This will give us, by dividing up elder and deacon elections, it will give us focused time as a church to pray and seek the Lord and go deep in God's Word to see who God is raising up to be the elders and deacons for Gateway as we continue to move forward. With that in view, then, for today and next Sunday, we're going to turn our focus to what God's Word says about elders in the life of the church. Now, next week, we'll look at the qualifications of elders. Because God's Word is very, very specific about who can serve as elders and about the accountability they will have before God for how they do their work. Today, though, we're going to focus on the, quali- the calling and the responsibility of elders. Both are important, and I did not know how to be able to get through both of those topics in one week. Today's the calling and the responsibility of elders. The next week will be the qualifications for elders. So this morning, find 1 Peter chapter 5, if you're not already there. 1 Peter chapter 5 is to speak about the calling of elders and the responsibility Of elders. Friends, this is so important for us to understand because so many churches get wrong the selection of leaders for the church. You see, we're not looking for men who are elders who we're hoping will start doing these things if we give them the position of doing this. We're not looking for men who we, hope, who we think are influential businessmen who, hey, if they come to Gateway and get on our leadership team, it could really help the church financially or really help us grow. We're not looking for that. We're not looking for men who the world will say, now that's a gifted leader. We want him to be an elder. That's not what we're looking for as we select elders or as we select deacons as well. We're looking for the men God is calling to spiritually lead this church. So That raises our big question for today. What are elders called to do? What are the elders that God sets in each local church? What are they called to do? Are they decision makers? Are they an administrative board? Are they trustees? Or are they something else? So as we read our text this morning from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, should be looking for the answer to that question. What are elders called by God to do? So 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Can I ask you to stand, please, if you're able, in honor of the reading of the Word of God. I'm reading out the English Standard Version. The words will also be on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. Would you pray with me? Father God, we are so thankful for your word. We're so thankful that your word speaks to all areas of our life to help us know how we're to relate to you and how we relate to one another. And God, we're thankful that you've not left us wondering how you want the church structured. And you've laid out for us a plan for how you want your church built and how you want the leaders to function. I pray you would use this today. That it would be formative for us as a church to know the direction you want us to go. So would you take your word and use it to shape and conform us to be the people of God you want us to be. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So what are the elders called by God to do? Here's what I want you to see this morning. God calls elders to care for his people by regularly knowing, teaching, leading, and protecting them. I don't know if it's too dark to see that up there, Brad. I don't know. But um, God calls elders to care for his people by eagerly knowing teaching, leading, and protecting them. I know that's a mouthful, that's longer than the main idea I typically give you, but there's so much I want us to get our mind around on this. That God calls elders to care for his people is by eagerly knowing, teaching, leading, and protecting them. You see, friends, being an elder is a response to the call of God. It's not something that someone says, I'm just going to do this. This is God calling particular men in his church to do a particular task. And the task God has set aside elders to do in his church is to care for his people in his church. Because that's pretty sobering for us. The elders are called by God to care for his people on his behalf in his church and the way that he calls them to do that. Now, how do elders care for people in the church? I believe scripture shows four main ways. We're going to unpack this this morning. The elders shepherd the people. Elders lead the people of the church as they know the people, as they teach the people, as they lead the people, and as they protect the people in that church. And we're to do so with eagerness and joy and Delight. Now let's unpack that, but first as we get into it, let's understand the context of what's going on here. First Peter chapter 1 verse 1, just go back to the beginning so you'll understand what we're looking at in this book since we're not in James where we typically been. First Peter chapter 1 verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, those who elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. We have a book here that we're in the middle of this, written by the Apostle Peter, one of 12 of Jesus' disciples, and one of the three who was closest to Jesus, who saw things that some other disciples did not get to see. Peter's the one God worked through in a mighty way in the book of Acts, where we see the gospel going forth and the church being established. In this letter we're reading today in 1 Peter, Peter's writing to believers who are scattered all across the Roman Empire. He's writing to multiple churches. He says to the people in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. This is a very diverse region of the Roman Empire, and scholars say that across this region would have been hundreds and hundreds of churches. So Paul's not writing to just one church. Paul is writing here to hundreds of diverse churches across this very wide region of the Roman Empire. And he's writing to these churches and to the believers who were suffering. This was not an easy time for early Christians. There was a lot of persecution. There was a lot of oppression. This was not a time you could just be a cultural Christian. There was a lot of opposition to the gospel into the church. So he writes first Peter to help people focus on Christ. This amazing text here about Christ being our living hope, what we just sang about this morning. That song comes out of what we see in First Peter chapter one here. And he writes to give people hope, to help them focus on Christ. And chapters one through four of this book is him doing that of helping people look to heaven and look to Christ in the midst of all the hardships of following Christ in a broken world. When he comes to chapter five he begins to wrap up his letter and he gives a conclusion to his letter. And he specifically addresses in a lengthy section here elders in the church. As he writes to these hundreds of churches, he turns his final focus to an exhortation to the elders, to the leaders of the church. And he has a charge for them. And I want you to see that he is particularly addressing the elders. Go back to our text for today in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. He says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going To be revealed. He says, I exhort the elders among you. So just realize that here, he's addressing the elders in hundreds and hundreds of local churches here. Each of these hundreds of churches in this diverse region all had something in common, they all had elders. In the hundreds of churches all across this Roman Empire, they all had elders. This is the pattern that was established in the book of Acts. When you see Acts chapter 14, verse 23, as we go back into Acts, and you see Paul and Barnabas on their missionary journeys establishing the churches. This is what you see happen. And when they had appointed elders for them in a few of the churches, for the churches that like the concept of elders, and how many of the churches? Every. When they appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they have believed. The New Testament plan was for every church to have spiritual leadership from a group of elders. I know in our context that's a little bit more rare today, but I just want you to see even in Acts that was a pattern that was established. But one thing that's really important for us in our culture today of a celebrity personalities of pastors and things, in the early church, it was all, the churches were always led by a team of elders, by a plural group here of men. There's no concept in the New Testament of a CEO senior pastor running a church. There's no concept in the New Testament of a celebrity pastor the whole church is built around. The New Testament concept is a team of brothers working together to shepherd the church together as elders. And notice how Paul writes to these elders in these hundreds of churches. He says, I exhort the elders among you. Friends, exhort is a strong word. He is appealing to them. He is pleading with them to listen because he has a very serious charge to give to these elder teams, these hundreds of churches across the Roman Empire and the elder teams of today as well. Why would Paul give such a strong exhortation? Why would he give such a strong warning here? Quite simply because he understands that elders are called by God, therefore they're accountable to God. And we must not miss that as we think about elder elections, that ultimately elders are called by God The church is just simply recognizing that calling, thus elders are accountable to God. If we jump over a few chapters in Acts, to Acts chapter 20, verse 28, I want you to see what Paul says when he's talking to the elders of the Ephesian church. And notice who calls the elders here. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now, in the New Testament, elders... Overseers, pastors are all synonyms. All three of those words get used interchangeably just to describe different functions. Elders, overseer, pastor, that's all one office in the New Testament in church leadership. So he's writing to the elders, the overseers. He says, The Holy Spirit has made you the overseers for you to care for the church of God. Gateway does not belong to the elders. Gateway belongs to God. Hundreds of churches in the New Testament do not belong to those elder teams. They belong to God. This is the church of God, which God himself obtained with his own blood. Christ died. Christ shed his blood to purchase a church for himself. And in his sovereign plan, he has chosen to have the Holy Spirit call out particular groups of men in each local church to oversee the church on his behalf. Friends, that is a very sobering realization that God appoints The elders, that the Holy Spirit calls forth the elders to do his work on his behalf for his people that he loves. We get a glimpse of that here in 1 Peter chapter 5. Go back to verse 4 that we looked at this morning. We see that ultimately we're accountable to God. Verse 4, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. That God is the chief shepherd. And I love it when C.J. prays and talks about elders at the gateway. He talks about we're the under shepherds of the church. That Christ is the chief shepherd. Shepherd. He is the one who is over us. The church belongs to him, not to us. And so the chief shepherd then calls out leaders who he then says, Go do what I've told you to do to care for my people who I love and I've redeemed in my blood on my behalf. And you see here in verse 4, when elders do that according to God's plan, there's great reward. Look at verse 4 again, this last phrase. And when the chief shepherd appears, you, again, he's writing to the elders here in these churches, you will receive the unfading crown. Of glory, Now remember, he's writing to people who are dealing with opposition and persecution and suffering. He's reminding these elders who are getting the brunt of it in these churches, that if you will endure, but not just endure, if you will endure with joy and do what Christ has called you, there is great reward in this persecuted church. But in reminding them this, the flip side is also true. If there's great reward for elders who elder well, there's also great judgment when elders fail to do what God has called them to do. The context is really important here for us. If you go back up three verses to right before our text today, go back up to chapter 4, verse 17, and see what Peter says right before he gives the exhortation to the elders. He says, For it's time for judgment to begin with all those wicked pagans out there in the world. Nope. Judgment begins where? At the what? At the household of God. And he begins that judgment with the elders of a local church. That it begins with the household of God. And so read that together in light of how he puts this together. Verse 17, for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. Verse 1, so I exhort the elders among you. Do you see what he's doing here? He understands there's great reward for elder shepherd well, but he also realizes that judgment comes, that God will do what he wants to do in the life of his church. And so he begins judgment with the church and with its elder team. So that raises the big question for the morning force: What are elders called by God to do in each church? And what are they accountable to God for doing in each church? We'll go back to verse 2 of our text this morning, 1 Peter 5. In verse 2, he says, I exhort the elders among you, here it is, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. If you want one word that describes the command that God lays out to the elder team of Gateway and to the elder teams of all the churches today, it says you're to shepherd the flock, the sheep, the church, Now, this may be harder imagery for us because I don't know of anyone at Gateway who's a member and attendee of Gateway who's a shepherd or who works on a sheep farm. You may know someone who works on a sheep farm. I don't. And my hunch is none of us are really close friends with any sheep farmers from all the conversations I've had with you. So when we hear imagery of shepherding and sheep farming, it doesn't really resonate with us. We don't really get it. But this is Old Testament imagery that people would have gotten because all throughout the Old Testament, when people heard shepherd and sheep, they thought of God and his people. Because all throughout the Old Testament, including in the Psalms, God is the chief shepherd, and he shepherds his people. He cares for his people. And Peter here does the same thing that Paul does elsewhere. And they take the image of God being the shepherd and shepherding the people, the sheep, and he applies it to the elder teams. The elder teams of churches are to shepherd people on God's behalf. They are to care for people in the same way God does. Friends, that is huge. The pattern for leadership in the church is imitating how God cares for his people. It's doing what God would do for his people on God's behalf on this. Elders are to follow the pattern of God in caring for his people. Now, how did we do that? Again, the Old Testament imagery is of shepherding. But again, we don't, haven't spent much time on sheep farms. So how do elders shepherd? How does God care for his sheep? Well, there's four ways I want to suggest the elders shepherd a congregation, care for God's people in these ways. And there's simply these four ways. Elders care for the people by knowing the people, by teaching the people, by leading the people, and by protecting the people. By knowing, by feeding, by leading, and by protecting. Now, that's not original to me. This comes from a book called The Shepherd Leader, a guy by the name of, I always mispronounce his name, but Timothy Whitmer. He wrote this book. In fact, our elder team here at Gateway read this about two and a half, three years ago as we were thinking about shepherding better the people of Gateway. But he's the one who breaks down shepherding into knowing, feeding, leading, protecting. I just found it so helpful because it took this nebulous concept of shepherding and helped me get my mind around it. So how do elders shepherd in these ways? Well, before we dig into those, let me give you one more breakdown. And this was so helpful for me and so helpful for our elder team as we think about how we shepherd here. We think about knowing, we think about teaching, when you think about leading and protecting, there's two aspects to each. Whitmer uses the term macro and micro. There's a church-wide aspect of each of these, but there's also relational one-on-one aspects. So in each of these aspects of how elders shepherd a body, there's a macro component to it, a big picture component of it. How do we do this for the whole church? How do we know Olive Gateway? How do we lead Olive Gateway? How do we teach Olive Gateway? How do we protect Olive Gateway? But there's also the micro level, the relational one-on-one. How do we make sure every single member of this church one-on-one is known by an elder? How do we make sure every church member is being taught one-on-one? That every church member is being led one-on-one, is being protected one-on-one? So see, think about the, a shepherd caring for a sheep, there's a big picture of how we do this for all the sheep. But there's also a micro level, relational level, how do we do this one-on-one? And friends, depending on people's personality, depending on the culture of a church, some churches do better on the macro scale, some churches do better on the micro scale, but God's holding us accountable for doing both. And so let's see that as we dig into this, because both of these are part of the calling of elders, and we must understand this as we seek to identify the men God is calling to be elders at Gateway. So first of all, how do, how do the elders care for the body? First of all, they know the sheep. They know the people of the church. God calls elders to know the sheep under his care. Friends, there's nowhere in Scripture We have a concept of a distant elder team who sits in a room and makes decisions and is not involved in the life of the people. Elders are not an administrative board, they're not a trustee group. Elders are to be shepherds who are among the sheep and they know the sheep. Just as God, the chief shepherd, is always with us, God calls his under shepherds to be with the people, to share their lives with the sheep. Go back to verse 2 of our text this morning, 1 Peter 5 2. Shepherd the flock of God, that is, what's the next word? among you notice the description here the elders are assumed to be among the people it's not shepherd the flock of god that you see 30 minutes a week and you sit in a distant room and make decisions for them no shepherd the flock that you are among that is among you on this it's assumed that they are to be in community together so how do elders know the sheep how do they live among you two levels again macro and micro on the macro level elders oversee the membership of the church they know who's part of a local church. That's why we do membership here. Not because we want to keep extra paperwork or however else. But we do membership because we want to know who wants to be shepherded. Who wants to be part of this flock. Who we are accountable to God to care for. That's why we have membership at Gateway. That's why when you want to join here like the four you saw standing up here this morning. You'll see some more families next week, Lord willing as well, who've gone through this. That's why we require you to sit down one-on-one with an elder and share your testimony. Share your story of God's grace. We want to know who's part of the flock so we know who to care for. Now, we can't stop on the macro level. We must go to the micro level, that shepherds who do what God's telling them to get among the sheep. They live their lives among the people. I love the model of the Apostle Paul, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. This is a great verse to think about, and not just for the elders, but for all of us to pray that God would make our lives like this. Paul says to the people in Thessalonica, so being affectionately desirous of you, We are ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you become very dear to us. What a model for all of us, but this is the expectation for elders in the New Testament. They are to so love the people, not just know, here's our current membership roster of the church, but to so love the people and know the people. They want to share not only the gospel and teaching, but they want to share their lives among the people. That's why our goal, our desire here is for everyone to know an elder on a personal level and closely so that someone on our elder team knows your story, knows your family, knows your needs, knows your desires, knows your dreams, knows your struggles, knows how to pray for you, knows your spiritual walk. God calls the elders to care for his people, and the first step in doing that is knowing the people on a macro level of who is in the congregation, on a micro level, one-on-one. God also calls the elders to care for his people in a second way by feeding, by that I mean teaching. If you think of a shepherd, he makes sure his sheep are fed. He leads them out to pasture. He feeds them at the barn, whatever was necessary. He makes sure that the sheep are fed. That's what the shepherds of a church are do. The elders, the overseers are to feed the people the word of God. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 is a great reminder of this, this responsibility. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That we have an, we have a need for the word of God. I have a need for the word of God. You have a need. For The Word of God it's what shows us who God is and who we are. It shows us how we approach Him. It shows us how He wants us to live. And so elders are called by God to feed the Bible to the people in the church. Paul specifically charges Timothy to do this. and I love this charge. This, this applies to all elders. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. He tells Timothy, Preach the Word. Be ready in season and out of season. That means when you feel like it, be teaching. When you don't feel like it, well, you better still keep teaching. Be ready to teach the Word at any given moment. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience And teaching. It's basically a call to teach the whole counsel of the Bible. That's why we preach through books of the Bible here at Gateway, because when we go through verse by verse the whole Bible, we get those texts that reprove us, we get those texts that rebuke us, we get those texts that exhort us, we get those hard texts that in our flesh we want to pass over. And so elders are called to be teaching the Word and all of it to make sure that we're being fed everything we need to know. So, how do elders feed? How are elders to teach in the life of the church? Again, macro and micro. On the macro church-wide level, elders are responsible for the preaching in the church, for the teaching in the small groups. Elders are responsible for overseeing what we teach to make sure what we're teaching is consistent with all the Word of God. But again, we can't stop there. Elders are required to get on the micro level and teach you one-on-one, what we would call discipleship. This can happen in lots of forms. This could be a weekly formal counseling meeting. This could be a regular discipleship breakfast with an elder to study something. This could be informal conversations with an elder at the coffee shop about what God's doing in your life. Whatever form it takes, this is a calling for elders to do intentional relational conversations with people, to encourage one another with Scripture, to talk about how Scripture applies to our lives, to ask the hard questions, to help each other live out the gospel. And this is so important. This is one of the qualifications we'll see next week to be an elder. In fact, Titus chapter 1, verse 9, I want you to get a glimpse of this. There's a long list of the qualifications to be an elder, but this is one of those. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine, also to rebuke those who contradict it. One of the qualifications for an elder is he has to be able to teach. It's such an important part of the calling. So God calls elders to care for his people and his church on his behalf, By knowing the people, by living among them, and by teaching the people, by feeding the people the word of God. Number three, God calls elders to care for his people by leading his people, by leading. Look back at verse 2 of our text this morning, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Notice this phrase, exercising oversight. The elders are overseers. They're to exercise oversight. They're to help lead the people of the church. Now, what does that practically mean? Well, again, let's break it down to macro and micro. On the macro level, elders lead the church by helping the church govern what our beliefs are, by working through the theology of the church, our vision, even working through policies. That's why elder meetings have discussions about what we believe and what we should teach or what we should not teach or what curriculums to use with things. That's why elder meetings involve... How we take care of keeping kids safe on this campus. That's why elder meetings involve how we grow in global missions involvement to reach the nations. Those are all things elders do on the macro level to lead the church to be the, what the church is supposed to be. But again, we can't stop there. Elders are called by God to do that on the micro level, the relational level as well. Look at verse 3 this morning as he's talking about the attitude of elders. He says, not domineering over those in your charge, but being what? What's the next word? Being examples, okay, to be an example means you need to be among the people, right? So flowing out of knowing the people and being among the people is this call to leading people on a relational level by being examples to them, to get in their lives and help one another pursue God more and grow in Christ-likeness and walk daily with God and learn how to handle the problems in life and even to get one-on-one with you to help you learn your spiritual gifts so you can use those in serving. I love Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul lays out, and we saw this when we did our study of Ephesians, and he gave, God gave the apostles, he's talking about different offices here, the prophets, the evangelists, notice this, the shepherds and teachers. That's a description for pastors, overseers, elders, whatever you want to call it. It's all the synonyms for saying, for the shepherd, teachers, the elders. And here's what he gave them to do, verse 12, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Do you see that? The job of the elders is not to do ministry on your behalf. You don't elect elders so you don't do ministry so we can do it for you you elect elders so we can come alongside you and get to know you and serve you and teach you and lead you and help equip you to do the ministry when all of us use all of our god-given spiritual gifts together as a body the church is built up into being what it's supposed to be so god calls elders to care for his people in his church and they do that by knowing the people by teaching the people and by leading them and one last way god calls the elders to protect the people To protect the people. Just like a good shepherd in the field keeps his sheep safe from danger. God cares about his sheep in the church, his people in the church. He calls the elders to help protect the people. And protect the people from what? From sin, from our struggle with sin. We've seen in our study through James the last 30 weeks that walking in faith is really hard. We have several enemies that pull against us. There's a world around us that wants us to follow it. We have an enemy who's trying to tempt us, and we have our own fleshly desires that is the worst of all, that makes what's in here want what's out there. And so it can be so hard to consistently walk with God. Our sin is so deceitful, our heart is so deceitful, and so elders are called by God to help protect God's people from their sin. We get a glimpse of the, the calling to protect in Acts. In Acts chapter 20, verse 28, I read this one earlier, but I want you to see what follows from this. In Acts 20, 28, we're told, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And notice the very next verse that follows in verse 29. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. That's probably not what these elders wanted to hear when they get this, this charge. Take care of the flock of God. God's made you the overseers. He's called you to do it. He's going to equip you to do it. Go get them. And by the way, there's about to be a bunch of fierce wolves that are going to come in and try to tear the church apart. You go take care of that for the people. That's probably not the charge they want here, but that's part of the calling of a shepherd. A good shepherd wants to protect the people. And a good elder wants to protect the, the members of the church from their own sin and from the enemy's schemes to destroy them. Now, How do elders protect you? Two main ways. And these can both be known on the micro or the macro level, so I'm not going to break those down as much. But the, how do elders protect you? Number one, they pray for you. Elders have to be men of prayer because, friends, we are in a spiritual battle. And we, as we see week by week, we need the grace of God if we want to walk in holiness. So elders protect you by praying for you. Paul models this for us. One of my favorite prayers of the Bible, Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 12. I want you to see this. Look at how he prayed, and this is how the elders should be praying for you. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 10. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in life. Friends, what a prayer to pray, right? If you're discouraged and want a prayer to pray for yourself, for your kids, or your friends, or your small groups, if you need a prayer to pray, like, hey, I need to pray for Grady and the elder team, go pray Colossians 1 for us. We would love for you to pray this prayer for us. And so elders protect you by praying. Again, that can happen on the macro level. You see elders praying here in the service. Elders lead prayer in small groups. They, and we pray for you in our elder meetings. We work through the membership role of the church, and we pray over individual families week by week in there. This also happens on the micro level. You want elders who can pick up the phone and say, I'm struggling, would you pray for me? And they will pray for you right then and there. So, elders for me, and they will pray for you. Elders protect you by praying for you. But number two, elders pr- protect you by lovingly confronting sin. By lovingly confronting sin. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. This is not written just to elders, this is to all believers, but the elders have to lead out in this. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself lest you two be tempted. That if we see people in sin, we are not loving them if we don't lovingly confront that sin. If we actually care about one another, the model of Christian living is we love one another one enough to go to each other and to help each other overcome our sin. Not in a spirit of superiority because we all are broken, we all need one another, but in a spirit of gentleness, knowing that we could follow as well, we help one another. We saw this in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 when we did that study. Rather, speaking the truth in love We are to grow up. God's plan for the church is for us to speak the truth in love to one another. And friends, this is hard. I get this. We struggle with people-pleasing tendencies. I struggle with people-pleasing tendencies. And as I've reflected a lot of what's happened around here the last few months, God has really been convicting me in my own heart of how people-pleasing tendencies have made me too timid sometimes to speak the truth and love to people. He's convicted me of times when I should have confronted people in their sin, and I chose not to do that because I was afraid of what they thought more than what God thought. God calls the pastors, the elders, the overseers, to to not let their people-pleasing pull them down, but to speak the truth in love and to lovingly confront sin and humility and in gentleness, because we need one another to walk in godliness. So God calls elders to care for his church by knowing the people, by teaching the people, By leading the people and by protecting the people, both on a church wide macro level and on a relational micro level as well. And God's gonna hold every elder accountable for how they've done that. But not just for how they've done that, but for the attitude they did that with. And notice the one last thing the attitude required by God here. Go back to verses two and three this morning as he talks about what we're called to do. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the fly. So how are elders to do these tasks we've just laid out? Well, he gives three negatives to tell us what they're not to be. We're not to do it under compulsion. That means no elder should be serving begrudgingly, or because their spouse wants them to do it, or because, well, the church elected me, I have to do it. This should be a calling by God that they find joy in doing. He says, not for personal gain. Elders aren't to use their position in the church for any selfish reason, not domineering. Elders should never be bullies, should never be domineering over people. Instead, he tells us what the attitude of the elder team should be. We should do this willingly, eagerly, and as examples. And by the grace of God, that is possible for us. When God calls men to serve as elders of the church, he calls them to do these tasks, but he calls them to do this task with eagerness and with joy. God calls elders to care for his people by eagerly, with joy, knowing, teaching, leading, and protecting them. So Paul gave an exhortation here in 1 Peter 5 to hundreds of churches. But what about us? I want to give us a charge this morning. I want to give us an exhortation if you will right now as Gateway. It's simply this friend that God is calling men at Gateway right now to become elders here. That God is already at work in our midst calling certain men to become elders in this church to care for this people in this church. You see, God is sovereign over all things, and God is sovereign over his church. God has appointed who's a part of Gateway right now. The fact that we have the people at Gateway here in this building and here in the gym and watching him right now, this is not an accident when the sovereign plan of God, he has appointed who is to be part of Gateway right now. That means that God already has within our midst men who have the gift of teaching and are teaching already whether one-on-one in discipleship, whether in small groups, but God already has within our church body men who have the gift of teaching and who are already finding ways to teach. That also means that God has within our midst men who love community, men here at Gateway who are already immersing themselves into people's lives, men who are already walking alongside other people, encouraging them in their walk with Christ. That means God already sovereignly has in our midst men who love discipleship and love one-on-one meetings with people and love helping people follow Christ. We also have within our midst men who God's already stirred with a heart to pray and who already love praying for you. There's men in this church who already are praying for you. And so we have a very serious responsibility, to church, over the next few months. It's as we need to prayerfully seek God's will to figure out who these men are that he's already in a sovereign plan put within Gateway. We don't have to look outside of Gateway to find shepherds to help lead this body. God has already put the men in. In this body, he's calling to be the elders. Men with the gift of teaching, men who love community here, men who love discipleship, and men who are committed to pray. And so, my charge for us this week is quite simple we need to pray. We need to pray hard that God will show to us the men that he is already calling to be the elders of Gateway as we start 2021. And so, I want to call you this week as a church so let's be praying about this process, praying particularly that the men who God is stirring their hearts would sense the call and be willing to pursue that, and pray for us that we would identify those men. But let me also ask you to pray for our current elder team, for myself, and for CJ, and for William, and for Seth, and for John. We need your prayers. We need the grace of God so that we can know you well. We need the grace of God to work so we can love you well. We need the grace of God so we can teach you well and lead you well and protect you well and pray for you well and so we can speak the truth well and love to you as well. We need God's grace to do that. So Gateway family, this week, would you commit to pray? Would you commit to pray for the current elders? And would you commit to pray that God will raise up the elders he wants to join us in the years to come? Let's prayerfully seek God's will to identify the men God is calling to care for the people of Gateway. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful that you've not left us wondering how you want your church organized or ordered. That You've spelled out so clearly in your word. You've told us the responsibility of deacons in the church. You've told us the responsibility of elders in the church. And Lord, I'm thankful we could pause this morning and just look at that. And Lord, we do trust that in your sovereign plan, you already have men here within Gateway that you're calling to be the next elders of Gateway Baptist Church, men who you've already put here who have the gift for teaching and have a heart for discipleship and who love getting into people's lives and who love just being real with people and helping point people to you. God, I pray even today that those men would feel the stirring in their heart of your Holy Spirit calling them out to be overseers in this church. And I pray for us as a church family, Lord, that you would help us identify those men. Would you guard us for looking for what the world says we need to look for in leaders Help us look for the men that you're setting apart to do these things on your behalf in this local church. Lord, for the current elders, Lord, we pray that you would give us much grace. Lord, our heart is to walk with you, and our heart is to lead and love the people of Gateway Well. We pray for grace to do what you have called us to do. And Lord, for all of us this week as we go throughout this week, Lord, would you just give us much grace upon grace, Lord, to realize that we all have a place in the body of Christ. Lord, I know this morning we focused on talking about the role of elders, but... Lord, we all have a place in the body. You've given all of us spiritual gifts. Lord, you've called all of us to be involved in praying and discipleship, and we're just investing in one another. And so I pray this week that we would not sit by passively waiting for someone else to do some ministry or someone else to call us, but God, you would stir our hearts to reach out to someone this week, to encourage someone who needs encouraging, to reach out to someone we know is hurting. Lord, even if we see a brother of Christ struggling with a sin, that we'd be willing not just to pray for them, but to speak to them in love and humility and gentleness help them in their faith journey just as we need people to do that for us so would you be working in our midst and shaping us to be the people you want us to be and lord as you do that lord we know that you will get all the glory and we will find the joy as you do these things and we ask it all in jesus name amen would you stand as we sing our closing song this morning
2: i mm-hmm.
4: I pray you just, as we enter this season, God, as we get ready to elect new elders, God, I pray that you'll put people on our hearts and on our minds that you have placed already in these positions, God, that you have in mind for these positions, God. Give us wisdom in electing these people. God, be with the elders we already have. It's just this trying season they've already had to go through, through a difficult process in the church, God. God, thank you for bringing the church through, God, and allowing us to grow stronger in you, God, just through it and using it to grow us in our own lives, God. God, I pray that you build us as we go now, Father, that you will put people on our path, God, that we will share the gospel with this week, Father. In your name we pray, amen. You are dismissed.